This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. No algorithm has ever jammed out to its favorite song, dreamed of starting a band, or watched his favorite movie a hundred times, or even watched a single movie for that matter, which is why an algorithm has no business picking the films that you watch. Mubi is a curated online cinema streaming exceptional films from around the globe. Each day, they introduce a new hand-picked gem, and you have one month to watch it. Whether it's a forgotten classic, a festival darling, or a groundbreaking masterpiece, every single film is hand-selected by experts. Try Mubi for free for 30 days at mubi.com slash words. That's mubi.com slash words. This is the real deal. I love this site. So happy about our partnership. So check out Mubi, please. All right, now on with the show. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm Ray Harkins, and I'm well-rested, a little rejiggered from the uh, week off. And uh, even though the tragedies still keep mounting up in so many ways, and I hope that everyone out there that is living in California that is experiencing some of the horrific wildfires that are happening right now, I hope you're safe. I hope you are you know, evacuated and your home is safe and all that other stuff. So... Man, it's just unrelenting. But uh, last week, I took a week off because uh, I was feeling just so overwhelmed from just emotions, frankly. <laughs> it was one of those things where, you know, Monday or Tuesday rolled around. And I was like, I don't want to put an episode up. I just don't feel like it. And it's the first time I've really run into that. And it's not because I don't enjoy doing the show, but it was, uh, you know, just the everything that was happening. It just, it all came crashing down. So I appreciate those of you that have reached out because I know uh, a few of you did, and I, I like that. I appreciate that. So, but we're back. We're I would say back with a vengeance, but it's you know one week. I mean, calm down. But the episode this week is an amazing one. It's with Chaka from Burn, Burn, the legendary New York City hardcore rock band. Whatever you really want to put them into, they are just a, a unique beast in and of itself. And uh, I never saw them when they first existed because I was, you know, basically not not existing in the hardcore scene. But I've seen Burn a few times since they've been back. And their new record, uh, Do or Die on Death Wish, is a really, really just like to say they're boundary pushing is an understatement. Like they just really challenge so many notions about what uh, aggressive music should be. And they're just really, really inventive. And they've always been that way. So uh, you should check out the record because, uh, yeah, I, I just I could not say that they are existing in a space in music that uh, is conventional. And I just love that about them. So Chaka was, uh, he's an intense dude. And this was an intense conversation in the most positive way um, because he, uh, he cares about what he says. And he is very focused on the language that he puts out there about his band, about himself. And um, yeah, I just like that because you know, I'll be completely transparent. There were a few times in our conversation that I asked him questions that he was like, no, nah, I don't want to talk about that. It's like, okay, no problem. <laughs> so anyways, more on that, more on him in our conversation in a moment. But um, yeah, I got to give a shout out to No Echo, who is a incredible website, noecho.net, and you'll be able to find all of the awesome writings they have going on. I recently just did a huge read on Levi from Fall Silent who I want to have on the show. That was inspiring for me. <laughs> but uh, they, they have great content. Anything related to punk and hardcore, they cover it in a substantial way. Definitely not just like, okay, cool, here's this like you know 400-word piece about a cool new band. It's like really deep dives. So I like that because, I mean, after all, that's what everybody likes to hear, the sort of deep dives, not just the surface-level stuff. That's why you're listening to the show, right? So 
That is No Echo. You can find them, obviously, on the on the internet, on the websites. And um, what else do I got to tell you? Um, yeah, October is insanely busy. Been practicing with uh, Taken, preparing for our shows in December. If you live in Canada, please come out. We are playing Montreal. We're playing Toronto. We've got some other tricks up our sleeve, so uh, I, I'm excited to... Just do that and get back on stage because it's uh, it's always fun. And especially as we prepare the release of our new EP that is probably coming out in December at some point, we're playing some of the songs in practice and I'm like, oh man, this is exciting. So that's what we got there. Um, I'm seeing the National this week, so that's exciting. Um, there's some other cool shows that are coming up that I'm happy to uh, witness. One in particular, I'm seeing a live scoring of the uh, 1931-32 classic Dracula with Bela Lugosi, and uh, yeah, with Phil Glass and har- you know their his harmonic orchestra. I just I'm so excited about that. So this is the time of the year that I think most people that are attracted to soap culture like, because there's all this, you know, weird stuff that exists out there. So hopefully your fall is, is awesome. So anyways, like I said, Chaka, great conversation, intense conversation, intense dude, but I loved it. I loved every moment of it. So here it is. And I will talk to you after the episode. essentially born and raised in Southern California. So, you know, got exposed to music via, you know, a lot of the same methods that, you know, many of us did. But, you know, I think my experience, along with many others in regards to first getting into Burn, was based around two specific things. Um, One being, you know, the lyrical content and just the fact that it was, you know, introspective, not providing any, um, you know, real like, here is the answer to this thing. This is just kind of like pontificating and not in a bad way. Just like, hey, this is like what I'm going through. Um, And then also on top of that, the second thing was how unique the band was sonically in comparison to a lot of your peers. Like, I think that, you know, when you listen, if you listen to, you know, a comp where that you guys were on and you had, you know, Gorilla Biscuits Youth of Today, everybody else that was, you know, kind of part of that scene, you guys just sound different. Um, I presume that my experience is very reflective over what a lot of people maybe have said to you over the years of like why they got into burn. Like, do you, you know, do you recognize that as being like two common points that people bring up to you? Uh, I would say sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I can agree with that. Go ahead. Right. No, I, I was going to say like, is that, um, I guess, does that fill you with pride in a certain sense, or is that what I'm No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Actually, no, I'm so filled with pride about to float up out my apartment. I'm just filled with pride floating up. I'm bouncing off the ceiling of my apartment. No, I think pride is whack. You know, um, I think it's good to feel good about shit. Um, I think sometimes pride pulls you off of the part where you actually did the thing sometimes. But um, but I think what it... it, it, it it more, I think almost in a word, it more annoys me, right, than, than fills me with pride because I'm not trying to be any different than anyone else. I like Gorilla Biscuits. I like you today. I like those bands. You know what I mean? So for when people say that, oh, you're so different, like, I guess it's true, but, like, it's definitely not something I was setting out for or something that I had uh, any kind of design or blueprint uh, or, I, or I can't speak for Gavin. But um, and, and, and people can ask him. I think we just did the music we wanted to make, you know? Yeah, that, no, that's true. I mean, the, the intentionality behind these things wasn't 
the fact that you were just you know attempting to rub up against all of these you know specific standards that that was just you know clearly what came out of you guys but um you know, I just always, I, I always also reflect on you know bands that you know are a little bit left of center than what you know your sort of typical sound of a particular era or whatever. Um, you know, what or or like the notion that you know on a pop punk tour, like the more heavy leaning band tends to turn turn some people's heads because they're like, oh wow, like this band is heavier than all the other bands. Like that, that's kind of interesting. So. Um, you know, I, I'm guessing that, you know, at the, that particular time, you weren't experiencing that sort of like, oh, they're different. I like them. Um, I'm sure. No, I mean, I first, I mean, we people were just coming to shows and wilding out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really, you know, the different, the same. I don't, you know, they were, we were dancing different. You know, we, I think that, you know, we brought some different stuff, some different dance moves to the people that, I, you know, I used to come in and, and, and roadie for burn and stuff. And there was other people out there doing their own things, their own, that they had their own style in the pit. You know what I mean? Um, but I think that burn, I mean, they, I think burn is just about, it's not your own style. You know what I mean? It's about bringing, bringing your own style, not about, but just to kind of sum this up, because I feel like we can talk about this for a while, but it's one of the points that like, I don't, it's hard. If, if someone was to say your podcast is really different from other podcasts, are you proud about that? You might be like, um, it, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not, it doesn't feel the same way. I think to the person you're telling it to, than it does to the person who's, who's like kind of saying it. The person receiving that uh, that statement, some might deem it a compliment. For me, that makes me like I I, I want to be like I like you the today. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not that I want to be in you the today. I want to sound like you today. But if people tell me, "Yo, you don't sound anything like the other bands," like uh, like um, I don't know. Like I tell what do I sound? Tell me what I do sound like. You know what I mean? But I don't care what 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 do I sound like? You know, maybe that's what I want to hear. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, to, yeah. me, to me, to directly answer that question, I think it was one of those things where the, um, you know, clearly there's a kinship, uh, not only sonically, but, you know, the fact you were coming from, you know, a similar scene. And yeah, you had different experiences that led you to create Burn. But I think, you know, it, it, it the unique the unique perspective that you guys were looking at hardcore through either your, your, your cultural differences um, and the fact that you made up, you know, this band, I think that was going to give you, you know, the uniqueness, whether or not that that was, you know, and, and same could be said about every single band that existed, you know, at that time period. And, you know, frankly, probably now too. Um, but, you know, intentionally or unintentionally, certain things just come out, uh, you know, different. And whether whether or not it's uh, it's the ultimate goal, it's like, well, this is just what it happened. And, you know, that's uh, I mean, it, yeah, it's cool. I think that's a perfect way to just you, you. I think you've described it perfectly just then, right? Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, well, Ed, well, we'll get back to burn in different iterations in, in a bit. But I wanted to kind of focus on, you know, you as a person. Um, okay. You know, I know you, you were born and raised in Queens, which, um, you know, for I mean, at that time, that particular, uh, you know, era, not only m- musically, but just uh, everything in general seemed like it was a very, uh, you know, it's a hotbed of culture in a way. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, I guess beyond the, the sort of neighborhood kids and, you know, the friends that you were kind of hanging around with, you know, how did you kind of, I guess, sort through what you enjoyed? Because, you know, when you're getting all this stuff kind of coming at you, um, mm-hmm. you know, where, I, like, where, where did you begin being like, okay, this is like, this is what I identify with versus, um, you know, something I don't identify with? I think it's a good question. I think then when, I mean, when I was, when I was, when I started to make my own choices around what I was going to kind of get with culturally, I guess I was like 13. 
So there was really no inter- internet then. So it was kind of what you could kind of gain access to in your periphery, in your environment, or, you know, friends of the family. So at the time I had, um, I was always a fan of art, drawing, you know, had gotten into um, graffiti a bit. But before then I was um, spinning records, like DJing, kind of like cutting back, doing kind of turntable tricks with these breakbeat records. And one of my sister's boyfriends was from another projects. I think he was from Pitkin Projects, maybe. Um, and he had a bootleg of a live jam. And we, you, in in the projects and in you know in, in urban environments, you have something called a jam, which is basically an outdoor party that's thrown in the community where basically you know you, you oftentimes you jerry rigging electricity from uh, you know public utility light post, and you've set up uh, you know a rather large array of speakers. And people are outside, and there's kids outside, and you know there's uh, beverages, and there's the, the smell of, at that time, inexpensive marijuana, cheap marijuana, uh, menthol cigarettes, a lot. But the music was fucking amazing, you know what I mean? And um, you would see people spin records. MCs would come and battle from other projects. They would come battle, and I would kind of sneak over there. It was like usually. The way the projects are set up like a maze, it's really kind of a fucking dastardly thing. If you look at it from top, it looks like a prison. Projects look like fucking prisons. Mm-hmm. So you, if you were to like bird's eye view the projects, like to get from my court where I live to where the jam was, I would have to kind of kind of walk through, walk by maybe five or six buildings, and that would take me maybe seven minutes if I didn't want to look like I was running. So it would take me seven minutes to get there. My parents didn't. I wasn't supposed to be because I was I was thirteen. I wasn't supposed to be leaving the court, you know. And so I would sneak over there because they had no idea, you know, what what I was doing. They wanted to like keep an eye on me. So like I would sneak over there and sneak back, sneak over, sneak back, sneak over, sneak back, sneak over, sneak back. Um, so that was when I first kind of realized that I liked music. I was drawn to kind of music, you know. Um, Around maybe maybe goodness a couple years later, I had uh, I'd seen Style Wars on on Channel Thirteen, which was kind of a graffiti documentary mm-hmm. that was amazing. That that piqued my interest in graffiti. You know, I began to attempt to write graffiti. Ran into some folks high school. Uh, ended up beginning to write graffiti. Actually, even before, not high school, even middle school. Uh, started writing graffiti. Then actually did some you know going and you know doing trains insides and outs. Um, we used to do we used to do burn uh, a lot of burn tags early like early on we first started me and Gavin would walk walk the bridges Brooklyn Manhattan but um so that was something you know the, the those were the kind of things that I gravitated to in my own like the graffiti and the music but not even like oddly enough I'm not, maybe others that that somebody maybe yourself others might share this there was a in intermediate school. I went to kind of a uh, school that was a kind of a specialized school where you were able to public school, but you were still able to kind of take these different classes. And one of them was called jogging. I know that's not out of the, that's not crazy. I'm sure this jogging <laughs> class is all over, but I was able to take this jogging class and the class basically consisted of me running around the old by myself while other people kind of jog at their own pace. And something happened for me where I realized that that I feel like that jogging class. People talk about the runners high, right? I don't know if I've ever had runners high. Maybe I've had performers high or something like that. But you've heard the the, the phenomena of runners high. Do you want to explain that phenomena for those that are listening? Of runners high. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it. I mean, I, I think it is. No, just ex- explain it. Explain it. And then I'm going to keep going. Explain it for people that may not know what it is. Well, I think it's just this this like rush of endorphins. I mean, probably in the same way that uh, you know, kind of adrenaline seeps into a person's um, you know body when they're exhibiting you know something very physical or very emotional. Where, right. You know, it's like you feel in certain respects where you're kind of you know, out of your body. It's like you're observing exactly. yourself. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And there's a clarity that comes to that. And that clarity was the kind of the first time I realized that, oh, shit, I can actually do shit on my own. Like, <laughs> I can move out of my parents' house. That's you amazing. Know? That's amazing that, that you... Because, I mean, the, there's so many arguments, you know, uh, today in regards to the overstimulated world that we live in that, you know, people don't have time to, you know, not only have silence, but just be able to, you know, r- reflect, be inward about themselves, um, and I just really like that explanation of what you're talking about, where something as simple as, you know, a jogging class gave you the ability and the wherewithal to realize that you can do things on your own. Yeah. I, and I, honestly, after that happened, I thought, I think for years, I thought that everybody went through that in a very similar way. And I've learned that, that that's not necessarily the case. I've heard some amazing stories and I've heard folks that maybe haven't, you know, folks haven't shared a, a story with me. But I think that that was that was very that's that was crucial, and it, and it plays into meditation and and discipline and some of the things that that ended up making me feel like okay yeah like let's be vegan right and, and let's onboard this philosophy and and let's do all these different things. I'm, I'm not vegan now, you know. I'm a, I'm a pescatarian. Um, I feel like um, I think people when you when you can have an opportunity. Especially, naturally, I was going to say younger in life, but fuck that because you're where you are, where you are now, and I don't want to diminish anybody where they are, especially even myself, right? Because I still have shit to do. I believe when you can find a meditation, um, be it running, crochet, I don't give a fuck what it is, you know, graffiti, it's just good to keep that shit going because there is time when you forget, like, that you can have these aha moments if you just, like, focus yourself on something mundane. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sometimes you want to, you try to like. Sometimes like friends want to, yo, you want to go out, yeah, 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 dude. I'm staying inside. Want to go out and chase the night and try to have fun? Great. Right. Like I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna program some drums. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna program some synths. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm gonna get my meditation on. Right. You know. Totally. And I, I feel, I feel better. You know what I mean? Sometimes I miss going out. You know, I enjoy, I enjoy seeing friends. But I also enjoy feeling like I got something done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Which is, I'm not saying that me stay, me staying in. I'm just saying me. That's the time that the time when that I would be going out is the time when I that I need to meditate in my work. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. Especially as an as you know, I'm older now than I was when I was going out a lot too. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it makes sense. And so, what, what was your uh, what was your family structure like in the house? Like, you know, a, a mom and dad present, brothers and sisters. What was the makeup? Everybody around, you know, few sisters, brother, where did two you parents, sit? household. Where did you sit? Like, you know, were the were you the middle? I was a middle child. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you had to try to get everybody's attention, right? <laughs> no, by no, no, oh, by no means. <laughs> no, did, didn't uh, follow along with the uh, middle child stereotype. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. Maybe I didn't know about it, right? I mean, speaking of didn't know about it, your man, one of the dudes from the moon, uh, uh, they uh, somebody confronted him. I forgot which astronaut it was. And I, need, I should probably know something to say shit. But they were like, um, so yeah, so you went to the moon, but what about, um, and now I'm forgetting the fucking name, the, the, um, 
the the the, the Van Allen radiation belt. They were like, so you went to the moon. What about the Van Allen the Van Allen radiation belt? You guys you guys didn't get any radiation. And uh, the guy that they uh, you know posed a question to that was supposedly one of the you know astronauts aboard the craft said, well, we didn't know about it, so it didn't hurt us. Right. <laughs> Totally. We just we just plowed right through it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss in many ways. <laughs> so maybe so maybe since I didn't know that middle child had act had a act while and extra. Yeah. You know, I, I just kept it normal. Yeah. Once you started to become aware of a scene and start to go to shows and, you know, start to be interested in this subculture that, you know, ostensibly was c- completely underground. Mm-hmm. How did you know? How did like your your peers and how did people who were you know interested in some things but not the you know hardcore scene and aggressive music and stuff like that? Like how did that sit with everybody? Where they just like, oh, Chuck is Chuck is crazy. I don't understand why he's why he's getting into this weird stuff. Oddly enough, I I was going to show solo. I I mean I I had. Um I don't think, I mean, I think maybe I've been blessed to, to, to chill with people that are very open-minded, but oddly enough, I was just thinking like at that time in high school, like I was hanging out with myself, you know, Sasha Jenkins. I also, I went to high school with, um, we went to high school myself, Sasha, Danny Diablo, um, same high school, same time, but I was hanging out really with just myself, Sasha, Team Stage Dive Skates was a crew that I had that had. Um, Free Five, who's a famous graffiti writer, Geo from Supreme, um, Chris Keefe from Dave's Quality Meets, John Keefe, his brother, a bunch of people. So we had Team Stage Dive Skates, and I started going to hardcore shows. And I was, I'm, I've been, I've, I've, I've been an outlier. I was the outlier in my family. I've been, I was an outlier in my projects, but I still was friends with everybody, you know. I, you know, I, when I, in school, I was wearing like a, a three quarter length, uh, navy green, uh, uh, forest green rather, a Woolrick jacket with these, uh, low cut Patrick soccer sneakers and, uh, a, a plastic, uh, kind of vinyl drawstring bag from Keith Haring's pop-up shop that used to exist down here in Soho. You know, so I was always kind of a weird on my own thing kind of person. So I think the hardcore, it was, I was almost more, it was almost more like normal for me to, to find that than it would for me to not find it or something, if that makes sense. Oh no, it totally does. I mean, yeah, especially when you are, you know, kind of forging your own path and really, you know, putting all these disparate elements together, whether, you know, from the, you know, the, the graffiti stuff that you're getting into and then skateboarding, you know, <coughs> skateboarding and, I mean, all of this stuff is, inter- you know, you can see the context now. But, oh, absolutely. But when you were pulling all this together at the time, you know, you were just into it. Me. You were just into it because you were into it as opposed to, you know, oh, I'm, I feel like I'm adopting this subculture into my life. You were just, you know, kind of mixing it no, all together. It was, it, was a, it was a porno for me because, you know, actually, to answer your question, honestly, I guess my, my – I'm not even – because my family didn't care. There was just one time, one time when I was playing – I had just Armand was selling the Rest in Pieces record in front of CB's. Okay. I, I think he had, had just come out that day or something like that. Whatever it was, it was just like brand new. And he had like a few of them, not even a fuck ton of them. A few of them, I bought one. Right? It was a. I think it was a, oddly enough maybe a Saturday even possibly. Okay. Saturday Sunday. So I get home. Nobody's home. So I think right. So I put this record on right. Uh, and I don't know if it was the second song because I haven't listened to that record in a minute. But um, or or where it sits on the record, but 
there's a song "Suck My Dick Balls and All." Right. You know, for those, you know, suck my dick balls and all, suck my dick balls and all, make my nut and suck me balls and all. You <laughs> got and I'm sitting in my room blasting this shit, blasting, right? And then I just hear like a knock on my door. I'm like, fuck. I open the door. It's my father. <laughs> and he just simply says in a very loving tone, he says, brother, your sisters and your mother could be home and hear that. Right. I said, I'm, I'm sorry. And I turned it down. Right. You're like, I, I, I that was, my father went and filmed us, filmed burn at CBS. He filmed us the marquee. Like some of the videos that you see were actually filmed by him. Those were like from 89, 90. Mm-hmm. So he's actually incredibly supportive. But that one time with uh, Armand, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is over very, the limit. Very expressive uh, lyric. Um, and he didn't tell me to turn it off. He just, he just, he gave me an opportunity to, to figure it out for myself, you know? Yeah. Self-correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, did you, uh, you know, as you were kind of going through high school and stuff like that, you know, did you, I guess, care about school and that whole sort of, you know, normal path that kids are supposed to go on in regards to, you know, high school, college? Fuck yeah. I, well, I cared about high, high school. I mean, I, not that I, I mean, I was, I was in AP classes. I think it's, I think, was it the whole time in high school? But to me, I, I liked high school. You know, but I, but I, I could also, I could still, I, I, fuck, man. <laughs> no, because it's like, this is one of those things that you don't really fucking think about, right? Oh, so I think what I, what I was going to say was like, I don't, I was going to say, that's that I don't, I was going to say, I like high schools, but I don't like bureaucracies. And that was when I first started to notice bureaucracy. I don't know if that's true. I feel like that just bubbled up inside of me. I never thought that before. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty fucking, that's pretty hard though, when you think about it. To be like, okay, like, wow, you're up. This is real. Fuck. You know what I mean? Like, right. to be like, like, see, to be like, okay, so this is the fucking world, you know? Um, but I, but I also saw, you know, um, and when I say bureaucracy, just for clarity, I mean, um, you know, fa- you know, nepotism, favors, you know, shit that can't happen for, for, you know, obviously ridiculous reasons, not even seemingly ridiculous, but obviously ridiculous reasons. Um, politics coming in and fucking up shit in, in the school system, you know. Um, but, but you know, I think when you're younger, you don't really feel like that exists. You don't really know about it, right? But then when you get to a point where it's not just a news story, but it's something like that, you're like, okay, fuck, this is. So now I have to go do this shit all over again because you forgot this one thing back then, like shit like that, like. Like, you know, like you realize, whatever, I'm not going to go on about this. Right. But the, the, on the positive side of things, what, and I mean, I mean I'm, I'm going to get your take on what I'm doing with this real quick. On the positive side of things, I, 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 I saw my, my school was very, very diverse, you know, very diverse. Queens, I think, is, a, is the most diverse, you know, county or something in the whatever it is in the world. Not county, but I think it's it's got to be bigger than the county. Uh, yeah. Whatever, whatever it is. Whatever it is, it's the biggest uh, biggest mix of people in the world, yeah. like of different people. And my high school definitely reflected that, though it was attached to my projects, which was a predominantly black and Latin projects. Um, but we had, you know, the, you know, Greeks from Astoria, the Indian kids, or you know, from uh, on the other side of, I guess, Broadway it was. So it was pretty. It was pretty diverse. You had you had everybody. You know, all the different Asian, you know, uh, you know, ethnicities were represented there. You know, a lot of even then, a lot of like, um, you know, newer kind of immigrant groups that you, you were seeing, 
you know, kids that didn't speak English, you started to see ESL classes, you know? That's cool. Yeah. You fit, you, you, you felt like there was, um, yeah, I mean, for all, for all of the, the things that you start to recognize in high school in regards to, yeah, like you said, systems, um, you know, in place that were like, oh, wow, like I can't get around that. I have to like either, you know, <laughs> decide not to, to go with the flow or go with the flow and, you know, end up at a place where I can make changes later on. But then, on, like you said, on the positive side is the fact that there's also, um, you know, places where kids can start to feel empowered for themselves. Yeah, and you were, and were you, and this is, I, I was kicking it with um, a friend, Nick, about this. He does a, 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 a kind of a zine called Numerality Zine. We were talking about so, the social social versus versus political, right? Um, whether you're spiritual or whether you're not, you realize that when, okay, there's a saying, mob, the mob rules, right? Mm-hmm. The mob rules, right? And usually the mob is not right, right? Well, we're going to agree. But I'm saying, I'm not talking about the mafia. I mean the mob, the group of people, mob mentality. If there's 80 people that haven't eaten in a year coming your way, their their fucking communal whatever thing. What was the cloud? Uh, what's that? The word cloud or whatever. Yeah. When yeah. you that that is going to be pretty fucking focused. They're they're going to be thinking the same shit. For sure. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Um. You know the kind of kind of on that same tip where you know actually this is something you mentioned a little bit earlier, but the you know I, I think many people were really and still continue to be struck by uh, you know the particular burn song you know shall be judged just because it was you know you were obviously espousing a you know uh, uh, the idea of vegetarianism and you know saying how how people can do this and blah blah blah, but right. the um, you know, you were raised vegetarian, and like you said, you know, you, you're pescatarian. Pescatarian, right? I was raised pescatarian. Yeah. Okay, you were raised pescatarian. So, you know, that's not a common experience for most people. So, mm-hmm. I, I'm only guessing that your worldview was completely shaped by that um, in in a, I, you know in a in a positive way, where it was like, okay, like I was never introduced to you know this side of the food chain. So, um. you know what? I'll, the one thing I will say to that, that's that, that is true from a biological standpoint. Um, and I've tasted some of these newer burgers that like I've had meat a few times. I, I, I went through like a month where I was like, I'm going to just try filet mignon. I just made it a few times for myself yeah. and I made it for a friend's dad. And the friend's dad said, this is the best filet mignon that, that he had ever had. I'm a good, I'm a decent, I'm a good cook. Okay. But I, I enjoy cooking. Um, but the one thing I realized when I was fighting into this, um, Filet mignon is that my it was asking my salivary, salivary glands to do shit that they didn't really know about. I felt there was a confusion where I felt like my glands were not equipped to handle this. And I think that folks that grew up eating meat whose glands are equipped, it may be harder for them to stop eating meat if that's a choice that they want to make. Right. So I just wanted to, to share that and, and give props to those people that did grow up with those glands that are very receptive to, to whatever the uh, you know whatever makes up the meat that that my salivary glands don't don't understand just mathematically like it tastes like confusion aka I, I have I want to vomit like you know what I mean like you know what I mean like it just wasn't it wasn't comfortable right well yeah you knew you, you would never I mean yeah it's like your your body is used to the the way things are for you and then you introduce a foreign body to it and all of a sudden it's like what the hell is this dude I'm, I don't even know what this is. Yeah. And I imagine, and for me, like, I know that I enjoy seafood and, you know, I was telling my girl, I tell people some, you know, like I, like if I'm, if I have mental work to do, I want a piece of fish. 
You know, I want the fat from the fish. Now, maybe I haven't identified another fat option in the plant world that I can utilize. You know what I mean? But I definitely am realizing that certain foods I utilize prescriptively. Right. Sure. Yeah. This, this this serves a function for you, so you are going to you know eat this as this this <laughs> as it's intended, the fuel for your body. So it, exactly, and that's the the one thing from the, the the vegan piece. I mean, I pretty much I haven't been really fucking with any dairy lately, um, but that's the one thing that's holding me back from from being vegan. Um, I think which may be good because if I am you know somebody that doesn't eat any dairy and I eat my secret, I can keep to myself and I don't have to tell anybody that I'm vegan and I can just do my thing. Yeah, you know? totally, totally. Um, it did, you know, for, for most people that, you know, decide to, you know, play in a band and, you know, participate in that, uh, that active side of, you know, being a part of the community. Um, you know, like, did you, like, once you started to be, you know, the front man for burn and start to sing for burn. Like, was that a, I, I guess, was that an easy thing for you to do? Did you have to like get comfortable with the idea? You know, how did that kind of manifest itself uh, inside of you? And interestingly enough, I was so excited. Um, and I'm naturally kind of, I think I'm an out, I mean, I, I think I'm an outgoing person. Uh, I'm an improvisational kind of person. I like to, to kind of, to joke around and, and enjoy the moment. I like to play sports you know, um, and I didn't really find being on stage to be much different. I think you develop, most importantly, I, and I hope I'm still developing, um, you know, ways to, 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 to help um, the folks that come to see you to, 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 to get a real grasp of what you're trying to share and for you to really get a get some good waves of waves of feedback from 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 the crowd. And if you have an opportunity to have some conversations you know, to, to have those conversations and, and to continue learning. Right. I mean, it's a continual kind of, kind of thing, but yeah, but yeah, I was, I'm definitely not, not shy about performing or something like that. It was pretty, pretty normal. Sure. Sure. And I mean, was burn ostensibly like the first band that you played in or did you do uh, musical projects earlier than that? Um, I had drum. I was programming drums when I was probably 14, okay. 13 or 14, but I wasn't in any bands or anything like that. Right. And did you, uh, did you take to, you know, the idea of, you know, I mean, burn, you know, didn't do huge nationwide tours or anything like that, but you know, you guys played out and you were active. Did you like touring? Did you get comfortable to that? Uh, you know, that motion of life? With Orange Nine did did touring. Burn really didn't do anything right. from a tour standpoint. Sure, sure. Orange Nine is that is, is that what you mentioned, Ray? Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You, no, you're right. Basically, yeah. Just the idea, like once you started, you know, with Burn or you know Orange Nine Millimeter, uh, you know, once you started to tour, like, did you like that lifestyle? Sometimes, I think it, de- it depends on the tour. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> sure. I think, right? Yeah, it's all in um, depends on the band. At the time, who's in the band, right? Sometimes, uh, you know, uh, sometimes, sometimes you have to, you know, switch things up, you know, because people don't want to be in the band, and oftentimes things get better because the person didn't want to be in the band, and and now somebody that that wants to to, to join that energy and, and to and to and to share that energy can 
can participate. You know, I've been in bands with a lot of people. I, I'm thankful for every every single person, and I've been one of those people that didn't want to be in the band. You know, um, and um, I think in tour touring is. I mean, I think for me, the touring is about being just being okay with yourself day to day. Like, do you like knowing that you have you have your little bag if you need a, if you have a bag that's got I don't know if you're into like for me I like to program drums right you know program beats so I'm gonna have you know something that allows me to do that right and my cell phone and and I'm good right you know you I think your, if you could, go ahead I was just say yeah you got your go bag of like you're like I, I got my drum machine I got my phone and uh, yeah I got a stick of deodorant it's all I need <laughs> yeah the deodorant I don't find you know I picked up some Tom's the other day but I had I had dropped deodorant for a long time okay um, I just I felt like I, I I just felt like it was fucking with me. I mean, obviously, I had stopped using like the aluminum based ones a while ago. Yeah, sure. But then I had just dumped all deodorant. Um, but now I picked up some Toms again, just randomly. Yeah, try it out. Yeah, my girlfriend was stoked about it. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh th- 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 thank God you've uh, you, you now have less of a human odor about you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, baby, what's that? Um, what's that Manila envelope you're hiding behind your back? Why does, it, does that say divorce papers? No, 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 no. Forget it. No. Forget it. It's all better now. Right. <laughs> oh, all better now. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I guess from a you know practical standpoint of the you know the the idea that you know once you started to you know play and burn and start to experience the the music world. Um, you know, did you ever, uh, I, I guess, have a taste for, you know, the music business in regards to like, you know, being active in your band with it? Or is it one of those things like you always kind of tried to separate, you know, church and state in regards to like, yeah, like, yeah, I'll make decisions that are business related to the bands that I've been in, but I, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily care that much about it. You know, does that make sense? I mean, I, I think I get to just what you're saying. You let me know if I answer your question. I, mean, I think it's at different times. I think in Orange Nine, I was and I wasn't, but I was and I wasn't. You know, in Burn Now, I was. Then I'm just right now. I'm kind of taking a step back and and letting, kind of letting myself take a different, letting myself focus my aperture kind of differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that that benefits the band. Because if everybody is kind of you know day to day day to day then you almost can't see the forest from the trees anymore, right? Yeah, well, or the, whatever the 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 good old saying of you know too many chiefs, not enough Indians, <laughs> like or 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 too many of the same chiefs, right? Sure. Good point, right? You know, we need to see a couple of different vantage points, right? If we don't both on the same mountaintop, point in the same direction, then you know. Yeah. It's not great, right? That's all you're going to see. Yeah. Um, and so then the uh, you know once you did because you know I mean a couple years after is when you know Orange Nine Millimeter came into your life and you know were you I guess in your head sort of actively um, you know trying to quote unquote make it in the music industry you know it, it, was that the concerted effort. Well, I think I think anybody in a band wants to be able to play music for a living. Sure, you know. So I think that we we were lucky enough to get a, a record deal. Um, I think we made some good records. I think the, the you know what what makes you ask the question about Orange Nine? 
because I, I have always been fascinated by that era of music. I mean, partially because so I'm 36 years old. And so like a lot of mm-hmm. that, a lot of that stuff, you know, predated me by a couple years, you know, like I, I think, did you, you guys didn't never played a warp tour, did you? Yeah, we'd, we'd played the first warp tour as well as, uh, I think we may have done three warp tours. Okay. Maybe, yeah. at, at least two. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause I saw you guys at a warp tour. It probably was like the 97 edition or something. But anyways, the point being is the fact that that era of music was so interesting because you were coming off the tail of, you know, the, uh, the powers that be recognizing that independent music was a you know viable sellable option you know in the early 90s and then right then you had the you know residual effects of that you know from like whatever 93 arguably to like 96 97 when you know the whole new metal thing started to take hold but like you had that interesting era of you know where bands like you guys and and shift and then you know whatever a couple years before with like quicksand where you guys were all writing inventive interesting music and all came from a very specific point of view that existed in the independent music world, but you had ambitions that were larger than that, you know? And I just find it, uh, and the fact that you, you know, every one of those bands had, uh, you know, some level of success, uh, I just find it so interesting because I don't think in very, very many other eras of music that that could have existed in the same, uh, the same ecosystem, you know? So do you think it did successfully exist or no? I think it did. Well, I think it did successfully exist in regards to the fact that, you know, you guys were, you know, doing tours that were, you know, just, I guess, for lack of a better term, weird, you know, where it was like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, this band's touring with like no doubt or whatever, like, you know, these. What, what tour what tour are you thinking of? Well, Is there one that comes to mind? I know. I'm just trying to think of one. Um, well, I mean, it's like, you know, when Sh- like Shelter toured with No Doubt. It's like, you know, that's just so, I mean, in context, at the time, I, it made sense because No Doubt was like one of the largest bands around and they were on the upswing and Shelter was, you know, could have gotten on that. Um, but yeah. But I, there's, there's a cultural connection there as well, though. It, it's Between true. Shelter and No Doubt. There is, there is, um, and I think, and I think that's, and that is, that's the connection. So I think that that's, and I think that that, I, I think that that's a wonderful phenomenon that that I love when it happens. You know, when for whatever reason you have, and it, maybe it's a different genre, even as we have like with the No Doubt and Shelter thing, where there's these bands that are, you know, not necessarily on different sides of the pendulum swing sonically, but not not in the same you know area of the record store, right? Yeah, not in the same set of bins. But yet, the, a cultural tie-in is strong enough for them to to create a tour together, and for this band, that's a big. You know, they're they're a pretty big band, and to take shelter on tour is it's a pretty it's a risky thing for them to do, right? Yeah. Oh. I don't think their management company was. Oh, actually, I can't. I don't know what they. I don't. I don't know anything about that, so I'm not going to speak to it. Right. Right. But I think that it's great that both bands. I don't even. I don't want to say they took a risk, but that they agreed to do it because, you yeah. know. The, the culture brought them together, right? That you know, so I think it's amazing. Yeah. Oh no, I, I totally agree. I mean, the same way. Like I remember seeing Quicksand tour with Offspring, and that was like the first time I heard Quicksand when I was like you know thirteen or fourteen years old, and I never would have um, known that band otherwise. Um, and so, anyways, the, the 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 I guess overarching point that I was trying to make was the fact that you know Orange Nine Millimeter was definitely a part of that, and you guys you know had a lot of interesting opportunities, and you pursued that, and you know you're on a major label and all these exciting things happening um you know did you uh 
I guess, did you feel like it ever kind of got out of your control and you were just kind of part of this system? Or did you always feel like, hey, I got a good grasp of this, you know, success or failure aside, like, we got a good grasp of this? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting question. I think that kind of, kind of, I, this is not something I've asked myself, so I'm, I really have to kind of quickly construct it now. I hope I do a decent job. <laughs> no, no worries. I think that the, the real, the weirdest factor for, for this uh, thing for a band member is more of the, the timing and expectation, right? It's less, I don't think any band starts out necessarily wanting to suck or to play only to two people, right? After a few, after a few rehearsals, if you've got something that you think sounds good, you're getting excited about it and you want to share it, right? And that's, that's a general share, like a share to anybody. Let's just get it out there to people. Sure. What the, you know what, what? What was it? What was your question again, real quick? No, it's okay. I, I was just the you know, like if you felt like you know. Oh right, 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 right. The timing, the timing. So I think what happens was so you so you get on, you end up being you end up you start a band, right? So me and Chris were in a band. We did you know maybe for like two months or something like that before we had um, before we got signed. I think we did like one show. We had one show, and the show was a nice packed show, right? So then you get on a label, right? So then everyone wants or expects all the shows to be bigger. Everyone wants all the records and the songs to be bigger. Everyone wants all the cars that you travel in to be bigger. Everyone, including the band, wants everything to be bigger and faster. You know what I mean? And so I think what happens is um, rather than losing control, you almost step out of your you step out of your natural path that you would your natural momentum that you built with that band and i think it's kind of like getting on a ski lift the first time i got on a ski lift i almost fucking i felt like i was gonna die i feel like i was gonna miss and it's gonna hit my head like you gotta get your ass up and into position so you don't fucking you know have the ski lift hit you upside the head and i think that it's hard to do that when you're a band and you know you're you want to be successful and label tells you to you know, this is the best booking agent for you. And we're like, no, we want to go with our boy. We're not going to fucking make a decision. Your manager's like, well, you know what? Well, you're not really going to have a chance if you don't. But we're like, fuck that. We're going to still stay with our boy. And so you're doing these things where a lot of what makes the industry work seemingly is sometimes the fact that maybe the guy, the manager was trying to tell us, hey, look, like I can't get favors done through the guy, you know, but I can get favors done through this other guy. Right. So I think that's when the complications happen because we said, no, we want to go with our boy, right? And, and that's what we did. Instead of going like, no, yeah, let's, let's go with all, let's just step totally inside of your apparatus and, and, and do what you will with us. You know, like Orange Nine, we had a couple of songs on MTV, not, not any like hits or anything like that. So I'm not saying like we were going to blow up and do anything really, really huge like that. I have no idea, you know, but I think that the hardest part was like trying to figure out which resources to choose um, to maintain that control that you talked about and to not feel like you're out of control. Yeah. No, that's honestly, that's a really, really good point. I, I like, I like how you phrase that because it, it does, you know, when you are, when you have people that you trust, um, you know, kind of surrounding you either, you know, management, booking agent, whatever, you know, these are people who, um, you know who may ha- you know may have your best interest at heart. I'm I'm just speaking in generalities as opposed to your specific instance. Um, but then sometimes you know you have people who maybe aren't that good at their job because they've been you know just been homies with you for a long time and protect your interest. And then like you said, they don't have the certain connections. And so, but yeah, I, I mean it's probably the same 
feeling except to the you know a much greater degree why like you know nba basketball players are like you know best friends with their friend from middle school because they yeah yeah it's like they they've known them for and that, and that guy and that guy ends up being their agent and that's when gets and then guess what guess what ends up happening to that guy who's the, the best friend of that player that that brought him along he ends up bringing on other players under him and now this guy is an agent now this guy's learned the game and now this guy can actually can make an impact yeah no totally. and, he's, and, he's, and he's down with you Instead of just you know you know you know a la carding that piece off piece off to some other you know lawyer or some guy that you know doesn't really necessarily care about you. Yeah. Oh no. Totally. Totally. So that's the hard part, right? You try to build your own like kind of team equity while also trying to win. Yeah. Right? You know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, something that I always found uh, you know uh, very interesting and profound about the way that you you know express yourself over you know the course of all the music that you've put out was you know there was always that 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 search for spirituality you know whether you've explicitly stated it or whether it was just you know you're speaking more you know in in uh, vague metaphors or whatever um that's clearly that's been something that's been interested you know interesting to you for throughout your whole life um mm-hmm. you know how i guess how did that sort of manifest itself, whether it was like you were raised with a specific religion and then, you know, you did some research and you found more like, you know, how did, I I know it's probably not easy to just like button it up and be like, Oh yeah, it's this thing. But, um, yeah, I just always find it interesting. Right. I was raised by vague metaphors actually. (laughs) Nice. That's why I find it. I find the oneness and using them myself. That's good. No. Um, you know, my my dad was a he. I say he's he's still with us. Thank thank God. But he was a poet in the sense that he's not writing poetry at all now. And like right around the time before I was born, he was writing poetry, and he was utilizing the name Chaka. Um, and you know, my dad was kind of you know around and documenting, uh, you know, kind of uh, black. Um, kind of black community discussions and stuff like that um, to the point where I was able to attend some great, uh, you know, avant-garde, uh, you know, jazz uh, exhibitions and poetry exhibitions and discussions and things like that. Um, and I think that it really helped me to kind of feel, to kind of buy into the, exp- the exploratory piece of the, of, of expression and music. Um, I think I, I felt like that's where it seemed the most unconscious in me in a good way, um, and not filtered and through the content. I, I mean, I love uh, things, you know, all all types of art, Shakespearean, all of it, you know, you know, trap music, you know, it's different, you know, it's a different point of view. I, I feel like the. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never thought about this shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. Yeah, I, yeah no, and I, I mean, I appreciate you working out in real time, and I don't expect you to, you know, land on a place that, like I said, is just this, you know, tied up in a bow response. But um, yeah, but yeah, well. you just know, you know, I, you just notice, especially when you're tracking, you know, an artist over, you know. I find, you know, the hardcore and punk scene so interesting for a myriad of reasons, but one of them is the fact that, you know, these people grow up in front of us, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, at the, t- at the time you don't know it because all you're doing is being like, oh, you know, sick mosh part or good lyrics or whatever. It's only once you reach a certain age where you have perspective and then you start to kind of reflect on like, 
oh yeah, like the reason that I even got interested in you know A, B, or C is because this person said this one particular line, and and then you see that line or that thought maybe reappear years later, and it's just like oh that's that's just crazy, and that's just always something I've noticed about you, or it's like oh yeah, like you're not again, you're not being like here's the answer. This is like what everybody says and what everybody should follow. You're not very dogmatic about that, but you are mm-hmm. like, Hey, you need to be thinking about this and this is important. And I, I just, you know, I've always admired that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. So there we go. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> and the last thing I want to hit on was the, um, you know, since burn has, you know, kind of come back into not only the public consciousness, but you guys have been active as far as, you know, playing shows and writing music and new music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, your enthusiasm, um, you know, has always kind of been there in regards to, you know, the music that you've created. Um, but you don't, you're not jaded. And I think that's a real, that's a real tough place for many people to be uh, because of, you know, a myriad of different reasons. You know, as you grow older, you're, you think your era of music is the coolest and, you know, whatever. How do you combat the fact that, you know, it, it, it would be easy for you to be jaded, but um, you're not. So I don't know how, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if that, if that's a thought that occurs in your head, but you know, you strike me as a person who's uh, not jaded, which is great. That's good. Um, I like music, you know, music changes, you know, the, the, the movements sound different as time goes by. Sometimes they don't sound great. And I, you know, over a few year period, sometimes they sound good again. You know, shit comes back into style. You know, um, I think a lot of people don't even listen to music anymore. I think more people, when you listen to me, they're remembering the music. You're not even listening sometimes. You know, so you may be there. You're 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 exploring the music. Even playing on your Walkman or playing on your you know your iPod. You know, or you're playing on your computer and you're remembering it. You're not even really listening. You know, so I think I started to really listen to music again. Just listen to it. Um, and Sergio, my friend Sergio, uh, reminded me to not be in judgment of any music, you know, whether I like it or not. Got it. And that, and that was, uh, I guess that was fostered in you, you know, relatively early in your music listening life, or was it one of those things like, no, that shit happened like three years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Literally it was, that was about, no, that was, that was, it happened in London. So that would have been about five years ago right right was it five six years ago five six five six years ago something like that and that was at a time when i needed because it was at a time when i think i may have been on my own dick or on my own uh whatever it is um period epoch whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. you know yeah our shit's the best you know and i wasn't even necessarily verbalizing in that sense but something was playing and i was like dude what the fuck is this and I forgot exactly what he said, but it was something very simple and very nice where he just like, you know, if you don't like it, you don't have to be, if you don't like it, that's cool. You know, and it wasn't even his. Right. <laughs> but he was like, just don't be in judgment of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's. And he, and, and he, wasn't even, he, he wasn't parenting me when he shared it. He was actually giving me a hint. Right. Yeah. It was, it was like whispered. It's like, hey, dude, you don't need to do that. Oh, yeah, you're right. I don't. <laughs> he, because what he's telling me is just keep listening. Because if, if, if I'm not judging you, what am I doing to you? Yeah. If I'm either paying attention to you or I'm ignoring you, either you're either in front of me or you're not, right? If I'm not judging you, right? So if the music's playing and I'm not judging it, 
then what am I doing to it? Right. Either listening to it or not listening to it. Sure. There's yeah. There's only one or two modes you can be with that. You know what I mean? And when you begin to listen to it, oftentimes what happens? Oh, it's not that bad. Right. Or I like that bit. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember this. This guy was in so. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just a little bit of listening. You know, and I need to remember that for my for my shit. I'm not on some fucking Doctor Phil shit. You know what I mean? Like I fucking uh, you know I need to remember the fucking listen and and, and you know chill right uh, and and get and hear the deeper bits. You know. Um. Yeah. No. That, that's that's really interesting. And I, I promise, last thing, and then I'll let you go. Was the and something that you know you've you've mentioned you know more than once on this conversation was the uh, you know there. Uh, Clearly, there always comes a, a uh, you know an ego play in regards to you know when you're getting up in front of people and you know playing in a band and the idea that you know some people have difficulty separating from the fact that it's like oh I am you know the band that I play in like your identity is so wrapped up into that um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm sure there were many aspects you know over time and even you know frankly recently where you know maybe you had to struggle in regards to just being like nah that's not like that's not a part of me like i am my own individual the music i create is separate um you know how did how did you navigate i don't i don't know if my brain works to the point where i would necessarily see that perspective right now sure see i think that i would recognize the person's context right okay and then i would appreciate it for what it was Sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> well, Chaka, I really appreciate you talking these things that uh, you, yeah, like you, like you said, you probably haven't thought about before. But I appreciate, <laughs> I, I appreciate you answering them as honestly as you possibly could. So thank you so much for hanging out, dude. Oh, cool. It, it's my pleasure. Hopefully, it, it, uh, it, there's some sentences that are strung together enough to create some cohesion there. So yeah, there we go, Chaka. Thank you very much, Chaka. I appreciate that. Deathwish and Stephanie does PR for them for helping us out because uh, yeah this was a long time in the making and we were able to nail it and get it out to the world and hopefully you enjoyed it so uh, what do I got for you um, I have to tell you uh, just about the uh, the awesome guests we have next week Marissa Diella she's from a band called Small Circle and uh, this is one of those kind of you know undiscovered band spotlights that I like to do occasionally I just got sent this record and it was coming out on a friend's label. And I was like, yeah, I'll check this out. And I loved it. Cam from Sorority Noise plays in the band as well. And the record is unbelievable. And she was a very uh, insightful, fun, inspiring conversation with a uh, you know young person that's just doing the damn thing, living life. So um, yeah, that's what I got for that. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I want you to all be safe because I know I say that at the end of every single episode, but now more than ever, it just feels um, so appropriate and even more sincere, even if that's possible than what I previously was. But yeah, be safe, everybody. And uh, I'll see you next week. Oh, and also, please, big, big shout out to Mubi for sponsoring the show. Go to Mubi.com slash words. That's Mubi.com slash words, and you will be able to watch just incredible films. Okay, so do that. All right. Now, for real, be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.